So welcome back to the 19th episode of EJ Sparks Conversation Podcast and this one I am just, I don't know whether I'm excited or nervous, I think I'm a bit of both because um, when I first started this podcast, my one of the first guests that I wanted to get on was Sarah Davidson um, and we're finally finally here today. So welcome Sarah, I appreciate you jumping on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And that's so sweet. So lovely of you. It's an honor. Honor to be here. No worries. Yeah. And I suppose how I came across you was I, um, I was listening and I'm like, I got into podcasts through Denny Kennedy and he's, um, he grew up in, in the hometown that I, I'm growing up in, in Horsham. And, um, and so I got onto him and listened to him, um, and just was fascinated with the content he was putting out. And then came across you and, and started listening to your podcast and those two were my main podcast for a good two years, I reckon. I'd always oh, that's listen awesome. to those two. Um, so it's, I'm definitely fanboying here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to have, have someone like you on is, um, is pretty incredible. So thank you, Sarah. Oh, thank you. That's to have someone who has a podcast say that is pretty incredible. It's, uh, I'm honored. And, um, I love that. I think I'd forgotten that I've been doing my own long enough for other people to think it's cool that I come on theirs. Like I still am like, but it's yeah. just me. I don't get it, but that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, beauty. Well, um, the way I like to start all my podcasts is um, to ask you what your weirdest habit is because I <laughs> am a very habitual person. Yeah. I love habits and I have a lot of different ones and ones that are very, very strange to other people and they think, what the hell? Um, but to me, it's normal. So what's, uh, what's your weirdest habit? That's a great, great question. Uh, I also am pretty habitual. I'm one of those people who... I'm so keen for new things. I love trying out new things, but that has to be like in the context of my habitual things around that new stuff. So (laughs) um, I think my weirdest habit is probably that I sleep eat. And I've only discovered this recently because I must have been doing it. I'd only started, my husband and I have been together for 10 years. So he knows that when we first got together, I didn't do it and I didn't do it for years and years. And then I must have started with food that doesn't have any packaging or anything because it took us ages to figure it out. And the only reason I figured it out was when I was not right now, obviously, but when I was traveling a lot and I was spending time in hotels, there'd be packets of stuff from the minibar next to the bed and like stuff I don't usually eat either. Like I'm not a big sweet tooth. I, I like chocolate, but lollies are not my thing. And they'd just be like empty packets of lollies one day there were two avocado skins with a spoon and the pit next to the bed, like Kit Kat bars, like stuff that I, I'll eat it, but I wouldn't pay $7 in a mini bar to eat it in the middle of the night. Um, so I sleep eat. Gee, so are you, so you're obviously not conscious at all when you, nah. when you do it and, and don't realize. No. Nah. Oh don't... my gosh. I didn't even realize that was a thing. Me either. <laughs> See, I was made Sleepy. for this question. Yeah. Holy <laughs> that Nick will sometimes, like even right now. So I'm not a big um, cracker person either. Like I really like thick, chewy sourdough bread, but rice yeah. crackers and stuff are just dry for me. This is sitting yeah. here because I was like, Nick, why have you got the crackers open without the plastic on the, like, why in the bedroom? 
He's like, don't you remember in the middle of last night, like just last night, I came in and apparently I go, I must go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and go to the kitchen at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I came back with cheese and biscuits, like piled. And to make me feel less guilty, apparently I gave him half of them. And he was like, I'm not hungry. I just, I'm asleep. And I was like, no, eat the biscuits. And like, I have a vague memory of it, but only if he tells me. Otherwise, I wouldn't know until I'd be like cracking it at him for having the biscuits out. And he'd just be like, what are you talking about? You put them there. Yeah. Wow. That is insane. Because um, <laughs> I, I sleep talk, but sleep eating is a whole nother level. See, I don't sleep talk. Um, I like okay. do the eating and I talk about the eating, yeah. but I don't otherwise just chat. Like it's weird. So weird. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like that. Um, we could talk forever. <laughs> you're like, um, and this is going to end the conversation now. You're too weird for me. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Um, I suppose I want to take a step back now to where you sort of started in your journey because I look at you now and you've got so many different outlets, so many different things going on, and, and we'll touch on them hopefully later in the episode. Um, and it's easy for people. Um, like myself really I found a lot of you if we look up to people um, that are doing great things and and think wow like how did they get there and often we we sort of take it for granted that the steps that they've you know taken to get to the position that they're in Mm. Um, and so I've listened to your podcast heaps and (laughs) you know definitely your your first episode goes into it really 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 strong um, about your journey and um, so let's take a step back to when you were say 17, 18 in high school, like what was your passion? What was your dream? Or did you sort of, you know, not really know what you wanted to do back then? I think that's one of the hardest ages really, because it's when you're supposed to come into that knowledge of like, this is what I want to do. And everything in our lives is kind of geared around that decision. Uh, and unfortunately, I think, or fortunately, or neutrally whatever I think most of us actually haven't figured it out by then and and I would say now I probably still haven't figured it out but as you know one of my favorite themes and uh, reminders to everyone is that firstly I haven't known at any time along this journey what was coming next and that's kind of how the best stories happen is when you don't necessarily stick religiously to a plan and just keep things open Secondly, every stage until then has made sense. It hasn't made sense at the time. It makes sense now. And part of getting to where you, where you end up or where you're supposed to be is being patient through those stages that are teaching you something or helping you bide your time even just until you have had enough exposure in the world to figure out what you do like. So 17 or 18-year-old me was... Uh, Undecided, I had had a very, very uh, wild, uncharacteristic phase. Uh, so basically, I started off as a ballerina. I was very young. I'd always been equal parts, sort of really nerdy and arty farty. And then I finished ballet um, at the point where you either go full time and you, you quit school or you you quit ballet. And yeah. I'd been so hidden, sort of from training 
from boys and alcohol and all this fun stuff that I went too far the other direction in like year nine, 10, 11. Cause I was like, ah, this is so much fun. I've missed out on like yeah. UDLs and on stuff. <laughs> and um, so I had, I definitely had a, a interesting middle school, but by the time I got to the start of year 12, mum sort of sat me down, a bit of an intervention and said, look, you, you've always had a brain. It's not like you've gone down this path because there's nothing else. You've just, you've had a moment, you've had your fun. This is not even 12 months, 11 months. It'll set you up for whatever you want to do. Just settle down and then do the best you can and you'll have all the doors open. You can figure it out later. You don't need to know what it's for. Just work as hard as you can. Jeez. So great advice. I'm Got really nerdy yeah. in year 12 and I ended up doing really well and Still, by the end, I hadn't figured out what I would use it for. But again, I kind of made the decision based on what keeps the most doors open. Science, medical, mm -hmm. medical studies were going to make it narrower. So I thought, well, law, I could get into it. It opens a lot more doors to politics, diplomacy. There aren't many jobs that won't take lawyers. Um, yeah. So I ended up studying arts law to kind of get a good balance of both and, and really spent another seven years I think at uni six and a half years still not really knowing what I was going to use it for or where I was going to go um and yeah. I yeah I reckon I even started in the workforce still like keeping the doors open but I'm not narrowing down the doors very much I'm still sort of just chill with everything like where am yeah. I supposed to be <laughs> yeah it's um Definitely, as you said, like, you know, when we are in, in year 11, year 12, and I felt this very much, but I knew what I wanted to do, but um, a lot of others didn't. And we get so much pressure from um, our parents, whether it be, or teachers, society mm -hmm. to make up our mind and, and have that sort of set in stone. And, and even though some of our teachers say that, you know, um, careers change, that we still have that pressure on us to have um have things sorted and um and i suppose it's um as you said a, a very pivotal time because um some people think it can make and break them but it, it doesn't have to be that way um so when when you finished year 12 did you um have a gap year or did you go straight into uni i went straight into uni because i knew that I love traveling. I'd studied languages at school and I knew that mm -hmm. I wanted to keep those up through the arts degree. Um, sorry, that's my golden yeah. retriever. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> um, his name's Paul. He's hysterical. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I knew that I wanted to do those and I, I knew that the university I went to, Monash, had a great Monash abroad program and it would make it very easy for me to go on exchange and to spend time mm -hmm. sort of within degree, but overseas. And yeah. I just thought I would rather do the travel within the degree and then take part of my holidays while I was still over there, then take mm -hmm. a big gap year and be a year behind everyone when already this degree I knew would take me sort of five, six years. So yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't take a gap year, but I would sort of say that I... I mean, you get a third of the year off over November, December, January yeah, and February anyway. So I would say over, I did five true. exchanges. So I probably took a gap year Jesus. during the degree, sort Three, of. Yeah. Gosh. And when you were at uni, 
like you, you mentioned that you, you sort of didn't really know or um, was fixed on, on what you were sort of doing, but did you enjoy that process and enjoy that learning or were you in that sort of stage where it's like, this is a drain on me, this is, you know, tough, um, why am I doing this? And, um, and yeah, what was your mindset through your degree? Because seven years is a long time. <laughs> it's a very long time. I think I was, I definitely know there are a lot of people whose mind goes straight to, if I don't know what this is for in the immediate, what's the yeah. point? I've sort of, yeah. I think under the guidance of my parents uh, and, you know, my aunties and, and people sort of around us have always really highly valued just doing something and you know I said before like my mum has always said to me if you if you don't know what you want to do just do something until you can do what you want to do because the time will pass anyway so you might as well use it to figure out to learn something it'll never be a waste of time if you've learned something about yourself about life about whatever and so I think that helped like being around that kind of attitude towards life had always you know, made me able to do things that didn't seem like so many people were like, these law exams are never going to be useful in real life. And obviously I knew that conceptually, but I was also like, well, what else would I be doing? I have, I have no idea. So I might as well just enjoy the experience as much as I can um, set myself up the best I can, like work really hard to get good marks Mm -hmm. because I'll want that for something. But also I did every extracurricular activity. I went on exchanges. I tried to really make the most of student life. And I mean, there were definitely moments where I was being, yeah, there were definitely moments where I beat myself up about not having a clear pathway. But I also think uni is one of those times where because I'm in the degree and I I had to, I didn't have to finish it, but in my brain, I I was committed. I was going to finish it. I didn't actually have to speed that decision up. It was going to be as many years away as my degree had to finish. So I didn't really need to make a choice at all. I could just be like, well, I'm doing something respectable. I'm going, I'm turning up at uni. I'm enrolled. I'm doing the things. I don't have to decide until I graduate anyway. So let's just go along with it. So true. So true. Yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of people, um, like start something so quickly and then and then get out of it or switch to something else mm-hmm. and not give time to um, just, yeah, run it out and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been an optimistic person. And as you, as you sort of said at the start there, like, you know, looking back at your journey, you've, you've realised that things have happened for a reason and, and led to different pathways. And, and I've been quite the same as well. Um, and that's what I try and uncover in, in this podcast, I, I suppose, and, um, and bring to light that as a, as a young person, we don't have to have everything sorted. And, but as you said, I loved, really, really resonated with just doing something and, um, and spending time mastering or, or focusing on something. So, I th- yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm so glad because I think if I had wanted any kind of reassurance back then, it would be this now it would be someone just saying like I mean even though I sort of had a bit of knowledge back then I wouldn't it wouldn't have been lost on me to hear it more to hear more of don't be hard on yourself you don't have to figure have it figured or have it all figured out and I think 
Yeah. Uni feels a bit like the end of your life because yeah. you've you yeah. tack it onto your education. So that chapter, uni's at the end. But now I'm like, it was the not even the start of the beginning. It was like the negative. Like I, yeah. you, you, you don't have to know the answers. You haven't even started knowing what questions yet. So I kind of think now, like if, if I could impart anything to anyone back then, it's if you don't know what you want to do, that's good. Like that's exactly where you should be. If you're one of the few lucky ones that knows, amazing. But also don't expect that that might not change. I think, um, yeah. yeah that is so true. Yeah. And if I'd forced anything to try and happen earlier, I wouldn't have made the decisions that I ended up making because I, I was too young. I was too mm. inexperienced. I, the world wasn't where it is now either. Like social media wasn't the same. Yeah. Timing works out exactly how it's meant to work out. And um, yeah. I don't think you, we need instant gratuity these days. We're like, if it doesn't feel good right now, well, I'm quitting my degree because I hate it. It's like, well, most people yeah. traditionally have not loved work. It's called work for a reason. It's only in this generation that we've gone, I'm not totally fulfilled. Like I'm just going to be a blogger. Bloggers also aren't totally fulfilled all the time. Like, you know, there's pros and cons, but you've got bills. Like it's great if you can yeah. enjoy what you do, but sometimes you just got to do your job. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you have to be doing the, the shit jobs as well to, you know, push that, that passion of yours forward. Totally. And like, it's not some, for some people like turning their passions, particularly musicians and creatives for some of them going into their work, like making their passion, their work kills the passion. And they realize yeah. they actually just need a blah job. That's nine to five that pays the bills so that they can do their passion as a joyful thing. So yeah, as a hobby. it's just so black and white when you're younger and then you realize actually nothing is black and white. I just tried to fit it in boxes, but it's, there are no boxes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Amazing. So after uni, where did you sort of take your law degree? So in the time when I was going through, it's changed a little bit. Uh, there were, it was much more kind of fluid. Now there are really strict guidelines, but mm -hmm. you could sort of start to prepare for a graduate job from about third year, which is pretty early considering it's a sixth year plus year degree. So in third year, I started uh, trying for kind of internships, which are called clerkships, and they'd be over your summer break or your winter break. And that would kind of get your foot in the door at a law firm uh, or just prove that you had experience for any other law firm. It didn't necessarily have to be the same one. And then yep. from performing well or, or not so well in those, you would sometimes get the opportunity the year later to apply for your graduate job. And back then you could lock it in pretty much from fourth or fifth year and then just coast through the end of your degree knowing that you had a job offer, which doesn't happen wow. now. You, you can still, I think most people lock it in a year before they graduate, but no more than that. You can't do the whole Jeez. two year thing, but yeah, I locked yeah. mine in at the end of fourth year. So then I had two years of just like, woo, got a job. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think um, that's, that, momentum and the fact that once you get there the unis are really supportive in in showing you that you should be applying for this now and this firm comes to speak to you mm -hmm. i almost got so quickly on the bandwagon of well that's what i should do because duh like everyone's doing it that's what you do with your law degree yeah. and then it was locked in from so early it's almost like i took out any element of choice from third year and then everything for the next five or six years was just 
conveyor belt. It was just like, oh, well, I've done that. So this comes next and then this, this comes the next. next. Yeah. Yeah. And True. so two years before I started the job, I knew I was going to be starting the job and I knew what date I'd start on. And then I just started. Jeez. Yeah. And I think, um, I think a lot of people fall into that trap and this is probably going a little bit off track, but like, we and this is something I'm exploring more and more about and I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago that spoke about like we have seven things that society tells us we need to do. We need to get an education, need to go to uni, need to graduate, get a, a good paying job, you know, you know, um, find someone, buy a house and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's almost like set out for us. Mm. Um and that's probably yeah, as you said, like what um happened to you. So how were you feeling in that moment, like obviously you're probably quite excited, but did you feel at the back of your head that something wasn't quite right as to how quickly it was going or, or the way it was moving? Uh, I think this is why now I'm so passionate about talking about that time. <laughs> Sorry, oh my God, he's going to go bananas. No. <laughs> Anytime anyone pulls up out the front, you just wait, he's not done yet. I'm just going to wait like a minute because he's going to go nuts. Okay. Do, should we push through? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry, Paul. I'm so sorry. Don't be sorry. So I, I don't think you realized you were getting a duo on the show today. Um, <laughs> so at the time I was so grateful just to have a job. And so, yeah. I mean, the GFC hadn't been that long ago where no one could get jobs, where they stopped taking graduates. I mean, yeah, I'm old. Um, it was hard to get a job and the firm that I ended up getting into was a really good firm. So I think mm. as well as momentum, gratitude can also blind you a little bit to believing that you have choice because you're just so happy that anyone thought of giving you anything that, you know, you just yeah. want to grab it with, with both hands. But the other thing is people don't necessarily change things unless they're actively inconvenienced or unhappy. And I was just... Yeah fine like I wasn't hating it I was like great got a job pays the bills it's not shit but it's not great it's just blah like I go to work I do my thing good people great opportunities salary in my bank account oh my god like from a uni student salaries are like Mm. I have so much money what even is this even though it wasn't even that much money um so I reckon I spent the first three years just being very very appreciative of where I was learning all the time because not just as a lawyer but as a person you've never worked full-time before you've never had that structure you've never had to save you've never had to figure out how to do your tax like there's so much about life that I just was like oh being an adult and like figuring out health insurance and bills and stuff um yeah I reckon the first three years went by just like a blur of fine it was, it was fine. There was nothing in the back of my head that was like, you should get out of this because I didn't dislike it. And that's why mm-hmm. I'm so extremely excited about the opportunity to get other people who are in that blah phase of their life and go, blah is not enough. Like it's fine if you choose yeah. it, but it's not fine if it's because you've just never explored any other option. And I would never have realized that I wasn't passionate. I thought that I was passionate because I didn't know anything else. So now I'm like, the whole world was out there and I never would have known. Um, And I think people do. They look for that little sign. And if there's no little sign in the back of their head, they're like, 
okay, well, then I don't need to do anything. Like, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, like, what was that inconvenience for you that kind of tipped you over mm. the, the bridge and, and got you to change? Only what I call the infamous happy accident, which I think is even more why I get, sh- like, goosebumps and shivers to think about how sliding doorsy that was, that it almost didn't happen because it wasn't a choice or a wake-up call or anything. It was literally... Nick and I went to Africa. We got to go on a charitable expedition because his business, which is a creative agency, was supporting a charity there. Had an incredible time. Um, but I brought home a gut parasite. And because I was so detached from well-being, like I just didn't know anything about looking after myself because mm-hmm. I was young and you don't have to, um, I <laughs> went straight back to work, 20-hour days, eating at my desk, you know, just, you know, burning the candle at both ends. And I burnt out into adrenal fatigue and lost 15 kilos without even realizing anything. Cause I was just so, your body to give you signs. And I was like, what signs? What do you mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I was banned from coffee and it was only because I had been a 10 cups a day kind of person that I needed to find like some form of caffeine that was gentle and that wouldn't send me into a panic attack every time I tried to drink it. And um, I got sent to the law firm's headquarters in Hong Kong on a deal. And in Asia, matcha green tea is everywhere. It's not like a buzzword like it is here. It's not anymore, but it was at the time. And uh, the business idea came out of not being able to find a good supplier in Australia when I came home. So it was a complete left field would never have known but for XYZ that happened out of the blue. Um, and it was only by contrast of sort of starting that as a side hustle, not even a side hustle, like literally just a hobby, it becoming yep. bigger than I thought it would, realising that creative work actually makes me have this feeling that I never knew I could have, and then going back to law and going, oh, I was blah, but I didn't know. But now I know I can't unsee it. So it was yeah. an accident. And as, as I say, like, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And we, we go through those, those tough times to realise that there's something better, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, don't we? Yeah, and I think one thing I've realised about, that's one of my favourite quotes um, and, like, life mottos that everything happens for a reason. But I also think it's sort of equal parts surrendering to that but, and being open-minded mm. to that, but also actively trying to uncover it. So it's not completely passive. It's not completely like it'll happen how it's supposed to happen. It's also like, yeah, but you've got to do a little yes. bit of digging. So it's kind of, yes. it's like a push-pull weird interaction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now for my listeners that haven't come across you or, or don't know what you do now, can you explain like the, the business that you, you spoke about? Yeah. So I feel like there's no one left on the earth that they haven't like bombarded with information about what I do. But, <laughs> uh, basically we started Matcha Maiden, our first business out of really the desire to fill the gap in the Australian market at the time for Matcha green tea powder. So it's pretty much just green tea leaves ground into a fine powder. So it's 137 times stronger in antioxidants than normal green tea. And the only reason is because you swallow the whole leaf when you dissolve it instead of throwing it out in a tea yeah. bag, which is so weird. Why would we throw out the leaves when we try and eat spinach and green leaves? It's so weird. Yeah. Um, and there were places like 
super expensive, fancy, like, you know, special occasion Japanese tea shops where you could get it for $60 for this tiny tin. Or you could go into Asian groceries where it was like mixed with sugar and it didn't have English labeling. There was no accessible, normally priced, cool, Instagrammable branded option. And yep. so we thought, we actually didn't think let's fill the gap with the business. We were just like, let's get some for ourselves. And it turned out that we could only order it in bulk from the suppliers that actually, you know, did organic, reasonably yep. priced powder. And uh, yeah, when it turned up, it was way too much. And then we thought we'll sell some to kind of recoup some of the costs. And that turned into a fully fledged business in about seven days turned out we yeah. sold out very quickly and like so many other people must have discovered this gap and no one had filled it yet so they were just waiting yeah. uh social media was very untainted by algorithms and stuff back then so it happened mm -hmm. really quickly really easily uh and within six months urban outfitters in the u.s had uh discovered us and asked us to stock all their stores around the states and i resigned the next day so that was sort of the first random step of like what actually is happening. And then yeah. a year in, we started the cafe, Nature Milk Bar, and that was uh, an, a, another totally random development that came from a trip where our business partner now was the first, he owns a lot of cafes and he was the first stockist of Matcha Maiden. And we ended up in the States researching at the same time separately. So he was looking at food trends for his cafes. We were looking at beverage trends for the business. And we ended up doing about 10 of the same LA cafes together or maybe 20 and uh, <laughs> researching. And yeah. we discovered that the thing that unites all the place in the world, like, so the two main themes coming out were plant-based eating and matcha drinking. And we're like, why? Like, why are they, they've been around forever, both of them, but why now? Mm. And we realized it's because people want to live longer. That's, we've become fascinated with sustainability and longevity of our bodies. Not so much the environmental animal cruelty, that's still like a vast minority of people, but yep. people generally want to live longer. Uh, and that's how we discovered the blue zones, which are the five areas of the world where people live dramatically longer than anywhere else. Yes. And we thought, well, people won't eat vegan because it's very heated. Sometimes it gets preachy. They think it's going to taste like cardboard. There's all these misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. But if we told them it would make them live longer and then accidentally the planet also live longer because they were making that decision, like why wouldn't that work? Why has no one done that? And then yeah. the blue zone with the most 100-year-olds is Okinawa in Japan and they also drink matcha. So we were like, there's an idea. <laughs> and we opened the cafe. We came home, we opened it three weeks later. So that was another totally random, meant to be a pop-up, ended up going really well. Chris yeah. Hemsworth called it his favourite cafe in Australia and that was it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then about a year Amazing. ago, I um, had another one of those epiphany moments where I'd stepped out of law and into business and I kind of thought, well, that's my last step. Like I found my purpose, I'm done. Mm. But I think your purpose changes as you change and over time, it had been four years and I was like, something's missing. Like, what is it that's missing now? And it was people because I'd gone from working in a team to working pretty much at home True. with my husband. Um, all my business partners were men. I had no yep. fluffy feminine thing that's like my jam. And um, the podcast came out because I just wanted to have fluffy chats about yay stuff. 
And uh, that's how CCA came about. Jeez, that is amazing. And I must say, I've been to your cafe and oh! absolutely love it. And I love the um the matcha pancakes there. Oh, they're they so good. Spot on. And the matcha tea just is is amazing as well. Because I have had the um the Chinese all the stuff from the the Chinese grocer, and it is very very sweet. Yeah. And, um, and when you drink it, you feel like oh, this is not right. But yours is um, you, when you drink it, you, you're like, oh wow, this is actually. Um, it feels like you're you're having something really healthy and, and good for you. Well, you know, my um, thing so, was yeah. like people are drinking spirulina and it tastes like foot. Like surely True. they will drink True. matcha because it tastes like green tea. It's way nicer than foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, before we touch on CZA, which is what I really want to touch on, mm. um, I just want to go back to that period where you're like, yeah, you know, you, you weren't sort of, it was like that blah period. Mm-hmm. Um, in law, like back, remember, back at the... Yeah, yeah, yep. in, in law, sorry. Yeah, because um, I remember listening to your podcast and you are saying about like um, you had um, like anxiety mm. and you got really sort of stressed and then had a few panic attacks. And I want to un- unravel that a little bit because I suppose another theme of this podcast is, you know, looking after our mental health and our, our general well-being. Mm. Um, so can you... I suppose, give a little bit of background to that part of your life, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Of course. I think um, probably back then it was a lot more stigmatised than it is now and mm-hmm. not as understood, I guess. Um, definitely yeah. a lot further along than it had been decades ago, but still sort of five, six years ago, uh, it, the conversation wasn't as open. And mm-hmm. I think being a bit of an A-type overachiever, I might have had and you know anxiety or mental health struggles earlier and just never named it because I just pushed through like you know I'm not gonna have a weakness in my brain of all places it's not gonna be my brain like that's what I rely on Mm. um but it really came to a head when I had burnt myself out into adrenal fatigue physically I thought well this is just because I've been doing too many long hours you know this is it's a physical thing it's because I've just cooked literally cooked myself when I started yep. the business, uh, about a year in, I actually burnt myself out again. So I had a second big crash after I'd moved into wellness. And I was like, I've mm. literally changed my life to not have the demands of corporate and long hours and to be in wellness. I should be the picture of wellness. Like what is even happening? Mm. And it was because I had this really superficial understanding of it as like, eat well, go to the gym, sleep. That's it. Like that's all you need. Yeah but I didn't know anything about slowing down mentally meditation, like not bombarding your brain. You could sit still, but bombard your brain and still burn out because you've burnt yourself out mentally. That's a different category. So I think uh, it had been there since late in the law firm, um, but I'd Mm -hmm. probably not been able to identify it. And then by the fifth second burnout, it had you know, developed into full blown, um, like panic disorder. So I would have a panic attack that sort of started to manifest almost like a heart attack, really, really intense heart rate. Like you could see my heart rate coming out of my neck, my arms would tingle, they'd go numb. Uh, and it lasts 30 seconds, but it feels like hours. Um, and the first few of those were the signs that I was putting out. I was like, what, what's happening? And because it feels physical, again, didn't click that it was mm. mental slowdown that I needed. 
And then uh, the anxiety, which I think gets confused for just being anxious, which is they're very, very different. It's you don't just need to take a chill pill and have a massage. It's like an actual mm-hmm. chronic feeling of churn in your stomach. Um, that became chronic and to the point where I couldn't work. Like one email, I just couldn't, I don't, I don't quite know how to explain it, but it's not pain. It's just like resistance, like this feeling of not wanting to face anything. So I couldn't do emails. Like the stimulation mentally of trying to think of concepts to put in sentences, like it was just all too much for me. And um, it took a while for me to really understand that it was what it was really, because I totally misunderstood how it would manifest. Uh, And then it took me a really long time to figure out what to to actually do about it. Uh, And that involved going to see a psychiatrist and a psychologist Um, I started seeing my psychologist once a week. I still do probably once a fortnight now and really just had to get acquainted with what mental health even was and how to rest your brain in a world where everything around us is trying not to let it rest. So, (laughs) and everything in my personality is trying not to let it rest. Um, so that was 2016, the end. I spent all of 2017 very, very gently going back into work, but totally adjusting my schedules, my, uh, you know, how many meetings I would do per week, what days I would use my phone. Uh, I had to just revamp everything. I had to learn to meditate. I had to learn to take Sundays off. Like there were so many adjustments um, to really rebuild any kind of emotional resilience. Um, yep. And now I meditate twice a day. I take Sundays off. I try and um, turn my phone off. You know, I don't look at it first thing in the morning. I try and turn it off a couple of hours before we go to bed or not turn it off, but, you know, put it in a Mm -hmm. different room. Um, All sorts of different things. Getting enough sleep has a huge impact on on stress and anxiety Uh, and getting help as well. Yeah, just talking about Mm. it openly and um, relying on a psychologist and not feeling like that's a weakness or uh, yeah. a blight on your abilities. You can still live a completely yay field, exciting, fulfilling, busy life if you just learn to manage it. Exactly. And I loved how you sort of say that you still see a psychologist now, mm. even though um, you're probably doing all right. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. And <laughs> no, I'm not. Sort of... No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I wanted to make sure. But, um, <laughs> that was yeah, mean. Like, I shouldn't have know, done that. <laughs> no. Um, because, you know, there is that, that stigma of trying to reach out um, and, you know, for both, you know, males and females to, to reach out for someone and, and get that help. And um, it can be hard to make that leap at first. Um, but once you get, once you make it, it everything comes a little bit clearer. Totally. So, like, how what helped you realize or helped you um, make that leap to seek help? Was it you know just an easy leap for you, or was it a bit resistant? Were you a bit like, oh, this is a whole new field. I shouldn't go down this this way. Probably a bit of both. I think I definitely had that pride resistance uh, of mm-hmm. I don't need this. This happens to people, but not me. Like I'm together. Yeah. I've never been a sort of disastrous mess of emotions you know I've always been pretty together and I 
you kind of learn to identify. Yeah. Like you pride yourself on certain traits. And one of those for me was that I cope, like I'm really good at coping. So I was like, Oh, oh, if I don't cope, like, who am I? Um, but on the other hand, I had friends who had successfully seen psychologists before. Um, I had very, very supportive family. I didn't have any kind of pushback of like, oh, you're being wussy. You know, all the circumstances were set up so that it wouldn't be a really hard jump other than for myself. Um, yep. I don't know if you saw today's episode of Seize the A just came out with Jake Edwards, who is a former AFL footballer who suffered really bad depression mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. an industry where he was told to like not be a pussy and not be a wuss and... Yep. And his family were the same until they understood that, you know, it's quite, quite serious. And uh, he's doing amazing, amazing work on helping normalise that, particularly in industries where it's not as supported. I think yep. back then uh, the legal profession was starting to get an idea of how badly it was affecting the profession particularly. So there was a bit more uh, awareness that lawyers were burning out mentally already, even though I had already left, there was some conversation in our professional learning and training. Um, I had, it wasn't completely foreign to me. So it was a hard jump, Yeah. but it was not as hard in that the psychologist I see with a recommendation from a friend, I could easily okay. reach out and get tips on who to ask, how often, how much it costs. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, for some people, I think they're really, it's foreign to their whole universe and it it's a lot scarier, but it, there's still, no matter what happens, a personal barrier of like, oh, do I want to be that person who has a psych? Like, oh, but yeah. now I'm like, talk about it so proudly. I'm like, I am together. And yes, I have like a mental health fairy godmother, but I'm, I can cope with anything now. Um, yeah. It's incredible. And what do you say to people that are like, that don't know who to reach out to um, or like don't have those recommendations or find it hard to actually take that next step? Uh, I think so many things. I mean, firstly, the main thing to remember is it's not a fault for you. It's not, there's not something wrong with you. It's just you're a product of your circumstances today. We're bombarded with information. None of our bodies are built to cope with what we put them through. It's completely normal. Mm -hmm. Um, If not, it affects people who are particularly motivated and high performing. Like it's actually a sign that you're probably doing good stuff that you're, you're having those reactions. Like it's so, so normal. Um, Getting help. It's, it's sort of like, I think something that really helped me was hearing the analogy that if you had a heart condition and it affected how you felt every single day and you went to the doctor and they said, this is going to help you like whatever it is, medication or psychologist Mm -hmm. or meditation, whatever it is. If they said this is going to help you and you went, nah, I'm too good for that. I'm just going to feel shit every day. Like you just wouldn't with Mm -hmm. a physical injury. So why do we go, oh no, I'll just suffer. Like I'll just, I'm fine. I'll do it myself. Like no one would do that. So why do we do that with our brains? And mm-hmm. I think that helped me go, I am literally choosing to feel bad every day when I could choose not to feel bad every day bad. because I'm yeah. proud. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, so I'd say that. Yeah. And I'd also say, even if you don't think there's someone in your immediate circle that is the right person to reach out to, like you might have family who are super skeptical or not, well-versed on psychology or 
who've never heard of mental health issues and wouldn't know what to say to you. But just because you don't know someone in the immediate, today we are so spoiled for resources. You can reach out to like me or a stranger on Instagram who you know has had a, yeah, like if, so you, if you reached out to someone, who, anyone who has been through mental health issues and just reached out as a stranger and said, I need help, not a single person would turn you away. Everyone would be like, I've got this, this, this resources, this meditation will help you. Um, contact this number straight away. There's Beyond Blue, there's Lifeline. Like there's so many places you can go before you run mm. out of options. Um, and, and that's the beauty of social media nowadays, isn't it? Absolutely. And I would love it if people messaged me in moments of mm. need because they have a platform to do that where they might not have been able to 10 years ago or five years ago. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Such good words of wisdom there, Sarah. Oh, um, thank you. I'm just making it up. <laughs> no, no, like I, I think what you said about, you know, um, that analogy, like we also put a lot of focus on like our physical fitness mm. and training our bodies, going to the gym, um, looking good on the outside, but we forget about that the inside, our brain, and that that really is the master of everything else it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the the pivotal point in in our life that you know helps change things and once we actually um, look after our mental health then our physical health really does start to improve totally um, as well and, and also I mean, like physical health oh no you oh, go. sorry you go <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say that it's obviously great to take care of your body but how good your body looks doesn't impact the quality of your life Mm -hmm. other than in small superficial ways how you look after your brain it affects whether you have a great day or a terrible day like that's a huge difference Mm -hmm. in your experience it affects whether you look back on the year and you go out a great time or you look back on the year and you're like that was awful i never want to relive that again that's all Mm -hmm. from this yeah definitely um I want to now touch on CZA because um, I just am fascinated with that concept. And I suppose that's probably, I suppose my podcast has, has um, or your, your podcast has helped me try and think of a grasp or think of a, a way to structure mine. Um, and there's, um, you speak about three, three parts or three things to seizing your, na- your, your yay, which is like your way to yay, your nay to yay and your play to um play to yay should i say how did that concept come about like that is it's mind-blowing for me (laughs) for someone to think of that it's so random i'm sure you've realized by now that random things just come into my brain yeah and i just go with them (laughs) yeah so it's funny seize the yay as a term actually came to me in 2017 before i knew what i would use it for so i registered the business name then because i was like this is going to come back to me with something i don't know what i didn't use it till 18 months later but i just i just woke up and i was like that's my philosophy it's Mm -hmm. the change from seizing the day which is chasing money and success and like it's it's a great like seize the day is the great motivator to to get you to Mm. take opportunities and not miss out on life but it can distract you and being busy and getting you to just kick goals for the sake of kicking goals and for the sake of momentum. Uh, Whereas I thought, you know, we, so many of us in that process 
don't realize that we're not happy because we don't ask. Mm -hmm. We've forgotten that whole part of the equation about joy, but you're not meant to work and die. Like that's just not the point of life. So I thought, well, if I tweak it to CCA, it reminds me that joy has to be part of the question. It doesn't have to be everything, not everything can be joyful, but you know, it's, it's what I'm going to go after now. I don't want to have success and metrics just for the sake. I want to pursue what makes me happy and those that will fall into place. And then once I realized that the podcast was how I was going to communicate that idea. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, one thing that has stuck with me from law, which I'm very grateful for is very structured thinking. I think in order and I like to organize things and I know myself when I chat, I go off on tangents. And if I don't have structure, like, it, you know, I'll end up talking about someone's dog for like yep. eight hours. And then I'm like, Oh shit, I haven't asked any questions. So I really, yeah, I had to, sit down and think if I want sections, what I want them to be about so that I don't firstly just finish with an imbalanced interview that's all story and no Mm. reflection or no, uh, or too much, not too much joy, but too much highlights because part of the journey is the the lowlights that helps you have Mm. revelations. So I thought, well, first the balance for that will be uh, the 10 years in the making that most overnight successes are. So that's a story. Um, Yeah. If we don't cover the challenges there, then ATA will be all the other major barriers like anxiety, self-doubt, all the things that don't get as much airtime and that I really want to normalize. Uh, But those both are very wrapped up in career. And part of the equation is that since I've had my big mental health revelation is I can't be good at anything unless I'm I do something that I'm not good at or that I don't care about being good at. I have to have something that's just like lazy, like Netflix or like just play that's got no purpose or no outcome or no learning or Mm -hmm. lesson. And that's play TA. And most podcasts don't even acknowledge that anyone has an identity outside of who, not most podcasts, I mean, most people don't acknowledge that they have a side of themselves that's outside of what they do. And, you know, Jake and I were talking in the podcast episode about how once he was delisted from the AFL, he was like, well, if I don't play footy, like, who am I? Because he's am I? Yeah. never cultivated an identity that wasn't his doing because we're, we're human beings, not human doings, but doing defines us. So that mm-hmm. third section, I was like, I want that to be as big as the other ones. And if I don't make it a thing of its own, it'll just fall into one question. Um, and I would like it to rhyme, obviously. So I was like, and now when people say it back to me like when you said the sections i was like oh that's weird to hear someone say my make-believe weird titles that i gave things (laughs) kind of goes yeah yeah no it definitely does and um touching on the the plate it literally just came to me before when i went for a walk like i was thinking of um of my little cousin and um and how like imaginative he is like the things he just comes up with and the, his drawings like you look at them and you think what what does this mean like what is it and <laughs> he has his own meaning and and like his own joy through through those sort of things and I think kids are so good they have so much imagination and so much playtime and tapping into our childlike selves our the things we used to enjoy mm. doing is so important. And I think that's, um, I call it that childlike sense of wonder, the word yay and the word play I use because 
they are a bit juvenile and they are a bit silly mm. and we forget to let ourselves as adults do that. Whereas as a kid, you're so unburdened. And I think people who mm. have kids find that section easier to answer because they are forced yeah. to live in the now because the child's needs are so immediate. They don't care about five minutes time. Whereas when you don't have any children around you, it's really easy to get bogged down in adult stuff, which is boring and serious. And mm -hmm. if you don't counter it with a giggle and a laugh every now and then, you just get too wound up and wound so tight you can't enjoy anything. Yeah, definitely. And what do you do yourself to just like on your Sundays mm. or on your, in your downtime to just chill? Well, I've named Sundays Sloth Sundays because my ultimate goal is to move as little as possible because I'm very interested in being productive every other day of the week. So Sundays yeah. are my like, I just accept that I'm a very lazy person in a very busy person's body and one day a week that dominates. So yeah. I just kind of lie there. I watch a lot of Netflix I love crime books and crime podcasts. I've been reading so much. Um, reading is great because there's no screen. It's, mm -hmm. I, I kind of define play TA activities as the things that make you forget what time it is. We're so yep. tuned in all the time that we never could forget that. But once you do something that allows you to forget deadlines and stuff, you've really got into the flow state. I garden. Yep. I'm painting at the moment. We're painting um, our room We've like, we're redoing a part of it, which is very meditative, a little bit boring and tedious, mm -hmm. but also great for the brain. Puzzles. Um, yeah. Playing with the Gosh. dog, having a golden retriever is the best because it's like a yeah. baby. You can just waste hours and hours and hours. We dress him up in costumes. Um, <laughs> do TikToks with him. We do TikToks with him. I learned TikTok. Yes, I am over 30. Yes, I do have TikTok. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't have TikTok. Thank you. <laughs> you wait. You wait. Yeah. It's I, so I, much fun. I'm like, I'm trying to hold off for as long as I can. Yeah, I caved. I feel like it's, it's, it's going that I way. I made a really moral, like, oh, that's just for millennials. And then like five days later I had it and I was like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> so good. Um, oh, I lost my train. Sorry, it was TikTok. No, no. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Oh, that's right. Um, I was going to ask you, um, and I suppose you've kind of covered it, but what are you sort of saying to people now in this time that we're living in? Like I see so much good, mm. so many good things can come from, you know, this isolation, this, you know, downtime and, and things are probably looking better that they may change um, sooner. But, you know, we are still having restriction on us and we're still forced to, you know, social distance, that sort of mm. thing. What are you saying to your friends or to people around you what they should be doing? Because I can preach so much uh, um, and, and say what I'm doing, but, you know, it's, it's good to hear from someone else as well what they're doing and what they suggest. Yeah, I think it's been a very uh, up, uprooting, unsettling time mm. for a lot of people to fall out of routine and certainty. And, uh, and for some people, obviously, it has involved a lot of, a lot of tragedy and challenge. Oh, yes. Um, and it... But I think if you're not faced with anyone in your family being really ill or there's no great tragedy for you, you not having a good time is not going to help the problem. Like we're stuck with this situation, kind of the same as uh, what I was talking about at the beginning, you know, the time is going to pass anyway. And 
COVID will be affecting people overseas. There'll be some, there'll be some terrible, terrible outcomes that are tragic, but you not making the most of the time is not going to make that better. Like, don't be a, a martyr about it. You, you, we, we've been given everyone who's not, you know, intimately and immediately affected. We've been given the gift of time. No other time in our recent history have we been forced to stay at home and work our way through the list of stuff that we've never had time for. And yeah. we probably won't get it again in our lifetime either. You'll have to carve that out for yourself against a current mm -hmm. of stuff going the other direction. So I think two things. Firstly, we're very, very hard on ourselves because almost straight away you're like, well, that means I need to become Picasso overnight. Like we get super intense about, well, if I need to make the most of it, I need to make all the most of it. Like yeah. I need, need to read yeah. every book and learn every skill and like learn a new instrument. And I think it is very unsettling. So I, and I, I haven't looked at it that way. I definitely have. Um, I've had to definitely cool my jets. Like I don't yeah. either come out of this a freaking a luminary painter or whatever. But yeah. um, I think we're not gentle on ourselves at the best of times. But right now we're facing so many changes that if some days productivity is just getting up and putting clothes on and that's all you achieved, that's fine. Like mm -hmm. the one thing that this has taught all of us is that there's no such thing as being in a rush right now. Unless you're a healthcare worker, Definitely. urgent has gone. Like mm -hmm. you don't need, a, there's no need to do anything. Like, yes, you have to work. And yes, there's probably bare minimum and things you do have to do, but productivity is meant to look very different right now. So don't be hard on yourself. Yeah. Um, when I say make the most of it, I think I more mean make the most of the fact that you don't have to achieve anything out of this time. You just have to, you just have to survive it and pass that time and enjoy that time making the most of it so true. could just mean chilling with your family or spending mm -hmm. the whole time on zoom having great conversations or catching up on you know 10 seasons of friends if you've never watched it before or that it's fine like yeah the world is sort of on pause and if you don't enjoy that for what it is, then you might look back one day and go, damn it, the world was literally on pause. I could have literally done anything I wanted and I was all worried about becoming a musician or something. Yeah. Just enjoy yeah. the time. That is, that is the best advice because um, like I haven't looked at it like that and you know, we, um, a lot of my, my friends and even myself have like struggled to think that you know, I should be doing more or I should be, um, you know, helping others or mm. getting on top of my uni work or that sort of thing. And we, we beat ourselves up if we um, aren't achieving our, our goals for that day or aren't getting anything done that day or like getting stuff done that yeah. day. Um, but realising that, you know, the world's on pause also means that it's time for us to, to take a, a pause, take a break and, and rest. Yeah. And like, um, I think so. there's, I think, I hope anyway, that what people take out of it is a redefinition of what they think is urgent yeah. and important because yeah. I think we needed this so badly because we were getting so carried away in feeling bad about not getting things done all the time. And now we're mm -hmm. realizing, Oh God, like all of us were kind of barreling towards a very big burnout. If this didn't, yeah. wasn't surprise, you know, visited, visited upon us by surprise. Um, Definitely. You know, it's great to keep up with your uni work. Of course, all that stuff's important. But I mean, if you 
you know, don't do it till tomorrow. It's kind of, unless it's an assignment, you know, yeah. you'll be fine. You'll survive. Um, Kids aren't in school right now. Like chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So true. So true. Um, I'll wrap things up because I don't want to hold you any longer, but I've got a couple questions that I like to ask at the end. Um, if you were to meet anyone in the world and sit down and have coffee with them, whether they be dead or alive, famous or infamous, who would they be and why? Oh, that's such a good question. I always struggle with this one because there's so many people for so many different reasons. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess I would say the queen. I feel like she's seen... Mm-hmm. the world through so many different phases and I would love so to just ask her about her life and about yeah everything in it and the world at each stage of it and like through world wars and like abdications yeah. and like she's just been around for so much uh, I think that would be really interesting conversation Obama so I would love to talk to yeah yeah um yeah He's on my list. Princess Di, Mother Teresa, um, Kobe Bryant. Yes. Uh, so many random, like some are really intellectual. Some I'd just be like, <laughs> trying to think of something random, but like Britney Spears or like something just yeah. random. Backstreet Boys, like probably any, really anyone. I could chat to anyone. I've got a podcast list of people I could put you on. But I reckon right <laughs> now, if I had to pick, I would say the Queen. Yeah. That's amazing. Awesome. Um, and if you were to give any advice to your 18-year-old self, what bit of advice would that be? There's so much that we've talked about in this mm. episode, but if you were to give one piece of advice, what would that be? Oh, gosh, that's also a really hard one. It could be something we've already touched on, but you want to reiterate. Yeah. <laughs> Rephrase it or... or you know, making an important point. I think iterate. That's the word. <laughs> I think I would say there'll be many times where you wish that you could change the way things turned out, or speed things up, or figure out how things end, and get to the end and hurry up and know everything. Mm-hmm. But every single step along the way has made you who you are and has led you to where you are. Um, so don't mm-hmm. regret or lament any of it, or don't try and change any of it. it all has worked out exactly as it's supposed to and still is. I have no idea what comes next, but I just kind of trust yeah. now that it'll be what it should be. Amazing. Amazing. And my final question, what sparks you now, Sarah? What gets you out of bed each morning? Oh, right now? <laughs> yeah. Not a lot. Uh, right now I'm sleeping in a lot, which is great because I never do that. Actually, that's a lie. I always do yeah. that. I love sleep-ins. Um, I think what um what fires you up in life? Yeah, I think conversations like this, the mm, platform yeah. that we have now, to get people at the points of being lost, like I have experienced, and to provide mm-hmm. some guidance or some sliding doors moment, or even something that starts the start of ten steps towards a sliding door moment. Mm-hmm. I think um, democratizing platforms to have chats and have influence has been such an empowering and exciting thing to um, choose to shine a spotlight on things like mental health or burnout or challenge in any other form Uh, and the potential for each new week and each new episode to be completely different 
to resonate with different people, to explore a different topic is so exciting. Amazing, amazing. And that's pretty much mirrored like what what my what sparks me and what gives me there's just conversations i i love them and i think um i think they're so important to have mm. and you know it's easy for us to have a um a conversation that's um not so much i suppose well that just touches on things and, and doesn't really go into depth yeah. um and you know we we live in a society where right now it's, it's so important to have a conversation um and that you know having actually expressing how we're feeling and and talking about those those tougher topics is is really important so amazing sarah um i appreciate you you coming on and and i just want to take this moment to really commend you for all the work that you do um your podcast and, and the stuff that you've done has definitely inspired me and inspired me to do more and and sort of you know try and reach um different people and and sort of you know provide something for you know young people um so thank you oh thank you so much and you've done an excellent job this was so much fun i feel like um people tend to think that they don't have influence unless they already have it kind of thing but i think Mm. if one person or one million people listen to a podcast and it changes something in their brain at that moment i'm so glad you started because i think yeah i think you're doing amazing things Thank you, Sarah. Thank Not you. that I think you only have one listener. I just mean generally. <laughs> no, that, 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 was, that was my mindset when I came into this as well. Yeah. I was like, if I can just, you know, help one person, just anyone, um, and my what I'm speaking about and what my guests are speaking about resonates with one person, then... You've done your job. You know, I've, I've done my job. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, awesome. So, well done. Thank you. Holy moly. Sarah is an incredible human being and I thank you so much Sarah for jumping on today because um, I know I definitely needed that chat with you and I got so much from it um, personally and I and I hope you know everyone listening today got something from it and I'll, I'll rattle off my three biggest takeaways in a second but you know I just want to reiterate or, or sort of say that you know if you are experiencing anything um, at the moment and, and you are finding it tough and, and you are struggling, don't be afraid to reach out to someone. As Sarah said, you know, we live in a world where we can reach out to people on Instagram so easily and just have a chat with them. Like Sarah opened the floor up to people reaching out to her. So don't be afraid to reach out. There's so many services out there right now um, that are you know, trying to normalize it and trying to get more people to reach out to them. Like for instance, Beyond Blue, Headspace, Reach Out, all these services, the Black Dog Institute, there's so many out there. So don't be afraid um, to reach out. But for, um, for my three biggest takeaways in this episode, there was a lot, a lot of takeaways and it's so hard for me to actually pick three Um, They kind of all form one, I guess. Um, And that's just that, as as I always say, and something I believe in is that, you know, everything happens for a reason and to just be okay with that and accept that. And um, I suppose that's my my first one is that, you know, 
as Sarah said at the end there, um, uh, sorry, uh, halfway through, is that, you know, to actively find that answer as to why things have happened is also really good. Like just saying things happened for a reason is great and that's, you know, more of a passive approach, but actually actively sorting out and, and trying to find out why it's happened is, is really important and, and that's what I find I do really easily um, because I accept that things happen and then I start, um, you know, believing that it's happened for a better, better cause and then I start pulling apart and this is probably just my mind going more into analytical kind of stuff but you know that's just knowing that it's going to sort itself out is really important but also actively helping yourself to sort it out and actively you know whether it be reaching out to someone or changing something in your lifestyle is also just as important so that's probably my number one uh, number two is that, you know, as Sarah said, it's, it's okay to not know what you want to do. As she said, she, f for her entire, like, I think she's 31, um, almost 31 maybe, 30-ish um, years, she hasn't really known what to do. Um, and she still doesn't. And so, you know, it's okay to, you know, just um, to, you know, not know what you want to do. And I think as young people, we have so many pressures put on us to make up our minds and to have things sorted out. And, you know, if you do know exactly what you want to do, that's perfect. That is awesome. But also, as Sarah said, know that that could change. And for me, I was so, so sold on joining the Air Force for since I was probably um, old enough to dream of a job or to say I wanted to be this. That was, you know, my lifelong dream to join the Air Force or join the military. But that completely changed when I got really sick in 2016, when I was in year 11. And that just changed the course of my life. And now I am so glad that that happened because I've gone down a better pathway or something that I really, really enjoy. Okay, so, you know, but Sarah said something really important there is that to just do something Okay. If you don't know what you want to do, just do something. Um, because by doing something that we can learn from, gain experience in, um, know that, oh, that's not for us, is really important than just staying still and being stationary. You know, this period of time that we're in, you know, we are forced to stay inside and not do much but by doing just something something that interests you picking up a hobby something that you can learn from is better than doing nothing because by doing nothing time is still going to pass by as is by doing something time is going to pass by okay so it will all contribute to something bigger and it'll all help you out in the end by just doing something and working on something. So if you're, you know, have no idea what to do after high school and you're, you're stuck, just getting a job, you know, um, whether it be at a supermarket, just getting whatever or doing something, going traveling will help you um, 
pick you up and, and send you in a direction, okay? It may not be the right direction at that time, but it will help you steer you in the right direction eventually and you've got to wait it out, okay? Not, not um, get out of things too quickly, just to, to go through that process and wait it out is super important, okay? So that's my second one. It's quite a, quite a long-winded one. Kind of rambled on there. That's all right though. My third one is that around mental health and mental illness. And, you know, Sarah mentioned there that it's not your fault um, that you are like this. You know, we, we live in a society today where we have so much stimulus from social media, from, you know, in the news, from universities, from instant information on the web like just so much input from external things that no wonder we are at an all-time high with mental health issues okay our bodies have haven't adapted to this increase in stimulus you, you look at our grandparents or even our parents you know back in um the the 1900s okay they lived simple lives, you know, they, they had a job and they, they went to school, they came home, they played with their friends, they, you know, built things, they didn't have all this extra stimulus where we're constantly switching our attention from one thing to the other, okay, they, they lived um, a lot easier, in, or may, maybe not easier, maybe that's the wrong word, but they lived um, uh, not as fast-paced of lives, you know, we're, we're in, a, in a world where society is just rapidly changing and we're as humans trying to keep up with that and it's so hard to keep up with it that our bodies haven't adapted to it okay so mental illness isn't your fault okay it's not something wrong with you it's um you know the the way your body is actually facing or adapt or um What's the word? Your body is experiencing the external environment, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. Um, something actually that uh, Hugh from the Resilience Project talks about is that, you know, mental health is, is sort of all kind of on a, on a spectrum. I'm probably going to, you know, butcher what he says here, but it's kind of on a spectrum and it um it never really or it i, I don't know how to how put this but it sort of you know fluctuates okay um and we can be feeling really sad but then we could also be picking up and and feeling really good and it's kind of on a, a high and low spectrum um but we can actually stabilize that through um methods that help us learn who we are and and tap into our um, intuition and tap into our true selves which i speak about a lot of them on this podcast but we yeah as i said we live in a society where we have so much external output our input external input and our bodies are just trying to adapt to that or, or trying to react to that. And it, it's so, so tough. So know that if you are feeling down, it's okay. <laughs> it's not your fault, okay? But as I said at the very start of this little outro, you know, reach out to someone, get some help. It's, it's something to not be ashamed of, okay? Um, 
yeah, I've definitely rambled on too much here, but I think this episode's really powerful and I think Sarah's got a lot, a lot there, okay? So reach out because it's like um, mental health, as, as Sarah said, you know, if we broke a bone or had a, had a heart attack or a heart issue, we would go straight to the doctor, we'd listen to them and fix it, okay? But with our mental health, we're not that way inclined, okay? Because we sort of see it as, oh, you know, I'm strong, like our ego gets in the way, like I shouldn't be experiencing these feelings. I'm stronger than that, I can get through it, I'm tough, okay? But, you know, just realize that the moment you start reaching out and helping, the better you're gonna be, um, the better you're gonna feel and the, the better off you're gonna be in the long run, okay? so. Yeah, definitely don't be afraid reaching out. I'm always here as well for anyone who wants to have a chat. But that's it. I've talked too much. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did take some value from it, please take a screenshot right now. Share it with a friend. Share it on your social media. Tag myself at ejspark underscore conversations and tag Sarah at spoonful underscore of underscore Sarah. I'll put all the links in the in the show notes. Okay. And if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, get in and, and leave a review. Much appreciate that. Um, and get keen for episode 20, hopefully where I'll be discussing a little bit of my own journey okay because i want to become a storyteller and at the moment i'm telling a lot of people's stories or um, letting them tell their stories but i'm not telling much of my own so i want to want to sort of you know put my story out there a little bit and and get um get the audience to know me better get used to know me better but that's it for me enjoy and i'll catch you next week cool as always Get out there and spark that conversation because the conversation is progress. Peace out, everyone.